what's happening? Welcome back to Inane. I was going to apologize up front if my voice sounded uh, raspy. I had to wait a couple of days to do this show. I was invited to see a band play with some people from my cycling group on Friday. And it was so fucking loud in that place. We were screaming into each other's ears all night. And uh, I thought for sure I had wrecked my voice. I got outside of this place later and I'm like, yeah, my voice sounds okay. I woke up the next morning. I sounded like Lurch from the Adams Family. It was scratchy as hell. I was drinking water like crazy. My throat was just all messed up. I was coughing. And that's why I don't do shit like that anymore. So, no voiceover jobs for me this week. I don't even know where to start with this. Obviously, you know what's going on in the world. And did I ever give myself the perfect opportunity to put my foot in my mouth? You know, last week, I, I, I opened my stupid mouth about this Russia-Ukraine situation, which I didn't want to talk about. I had come to the conclusion that Putin was just kind of posturing. And that was a new theory, right? I was all on board before. He was going to move in there. But he was going to wait until after the Olympics were over. But I'm looking at it, the logistics of an attack, it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't think he'd put himself in that kind of a position. You know, you move into Ukraine and the world is going to come down on you. If you don't move into Ukraine, you'll look like a pussy. And we all know that Putin has an ego way too large for for that. So before long, 100,000 troops turns into 150. And now we have this major crisis on our hands that looks like it's just it's going to end up being a full-scale war by the time I'm finished talking here. I don't know how to, to talk about this because it's moving so fast. He's moving in slowly and we start slapping him on the wrist. You know, he says he just wants these two states. You know, but we know better than that. He wasn't going in there for a a couple slices of cheese. You know, he was going to take home the whole wheel. <laughs> this isn't a guy who's going to a cheese and cracker party, right? He plans on eating fondue for the rest of his life. And the minute this actual war starts, even today, this morning, the sanctions go from a slap on the wrist to a, you know, a financial fist up his ass. You know, we're going to try to hit him where it counts. Now, you want to see some people get desperate, you cancel their credit cards. And Germany had halted the certification of the gas line, which, you know, cuts off some money. So that'll hurt their economy. But here's the thing. These people know how to hide their money, okay? They're professional cheaters. And Putin is worth billions of dollars. You can't hurt him financially. The Russian people will suffer, but he doesn't give a shit about them. And like any other dictator, he's filled their heads with bullshit. And they're eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He's painted the West as the enemy, so they're going to believe that this is all our fault. But we can't really worry about them right now. What he's doing is a violation of international law. It's a crime against democracy. And it's a major threat to Europe. And it's really... I'm feeling pretty down about this. I don't feel good, and I'm going to stop making predictions. Let's keep in mind all the things that Putin had been saying 
leading up to this. America is making something out of nothing. He just wants to talk, right? He wants a seat at the table. You fucked that up a long time ago, dude. Like his troops are there just to protect Russia, not to invade Ukraine. The security of Russia is what's important. And he says the U.S. is being hostile because we brought troops to Europe. He feels like he's under attack. This is a guy, he's the godfather of misinformation and fake news. This is how dictators behave. Atypical playbook. Get the masses to trust that you have their best interests in mind. Get them to treat you like God and then do whatever the fuck you want that serves your best interests and your ego and they'll be right behind you. A lot of people in our country treated COVID like this. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Even Ukraine's president was saying he wasn't worried about an attack. Now look, you worried now? (laughs) I was trying to be optimistic last week, but in hindsight, that was stupid. I should have known better than that. I wasn't optimistic about COVID at all. I knew it was real. I did everything I could to prepare myself for it. And I think now it's the time for all of us to do the same with this bullshit. I mean, Putin's talking nuclear stuff. I mean, it's it's not okay. I mean, he, he visited President Xi in Beijing right at the start of the Olympics. And, you know, that was to ask him if it's okay to invade Ukraine now or do you prefer I do it after the Olympics are over? I mean, I don't want to, you know, steal your thunder. Putin is a classic liar. It's like that old joke. How do you know he's lying? His lips are moving. Fuck him. All right. This guy's been an outcast for decades. He's the pesky little brother no one can stand. Europe doesn't want to deal with him. NATO, the UN, nobody. So he shakes hands with Xi. But I think even he can't stand the fucking guy. It's like, leave me out of your mess. I don't care what you do. It's none of my business. Just don't come asking me for money. The one country invades another country. And then countries that are giving them support in the past cut that support off, they stop delivery of gas or oil, or in this case, stop buying their gas or oil, and the country has its back against the wall. So it attacks the other countries who cut their support. (laughs) If that sounds familiar, it should. It happened back in December 1941. So buckle up, buttercup. This shit's going to get nasty. If you're not familiar with the term denial of service attack, get familiar with it. Because they're going to try to cyber attack the shit out of us. And they're good at it. So our economy, which is already in the shitter, is going to start circling the bowl. It's a giant shit sandwich. No side of fries or a small salad. (laughs) So just slide up to the table, man. Lunch is going to suck, but we have to eat it. What a disaster. I, I I don't have anything positive to say about this. I mean, it's... There's nothing positive about it. Just so fucked. But I got to do the show. And on the subject of money, I can't remember if I talked about Phil Mickelson on the show before or not. He's this Hall of Fame professional golfer. If you don't know who he is. He's older now. He's older than Tiger, in fact. He was on the tour uh, a few years before he came on. He had said some controversial shit about the PGA Tour a few weeks ago. How they're greedy and how he's considering joining the Saudi Arabia Super League for more money, which they were trying to lure PGA golfers away 
to create this super league of like the top 60 players or something. I can't remember. Well, Phil has no grounds to stand on to call someone greedy. All right. This is a guy he's made shit tons of money playing golf, raises eyebrows all the time with his gambling habits and insider trading bullshit with the SEC. I mean, this guy, he's lucky he's not in jail with all the shenanigans he's pulled over the years. And he seems to be alone in his willingness to consider joining the Saudi League, right? Because there isn't a single other golfer on the tour who has said that they were willing to turn their backs on the PGA. So Phil was quoted uh, sometime last week or two weeks ago. They're scary motherfuckers to get involved with. He's talking about the Saudis. We know they killed a Washington Post columnist and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. As nice a guy as PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan comes across as, unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right. And the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the Saudi League to succeed, but just the idea of it is allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. Now, this story grows, okay? This was, you know, this was some time ago. So, what he was basically saying, like, instead of just simply trying to unionize, as most people do when they don't feel like they're getting a fair shake, you know, like player organizations, like, you know, uh, basketball has one, hockey has one, football has one, you decide you're going to side with these asshole Saudis? They're scary motherfuckers? You can say that again, dude. If they'll kill a journalist and chop people's heads off for being homosexual and then treat women like they're second-class citizens, what makes you think that they wouldn't do some bad shit to you if you like accidentally curse on live Saudi TV because you shanked a drive into a lake? If you want to hang out with pigs, you got to expect you're going to get a little dirty. What makes this sad is that Mickelson was a great story. You know, he was beloved on the tour. But now, Jesus, he has tarnished whatever was left of his image. This isn't like a basketball or a baseball player deciding to go play in Japan or Europe because they got a better deal. That I can understand. The governments of Japan and, and countries in Europe, they don't treat human beings like dog shit. The Saudis are, you don't want to go to bed with those people. So then, I think it's yesterday, Wednesday, after so much shit hit the fan with Mickelson, he publishes this apology. I'll read part of it. Although it doesn't always look this way now. Oh, sorry. Although it doesn't look this way now, given my recent comments, my actions throughout this process have always been with the greatest, or sorry, I'm reading this. I'm a bad reader. My action. Oh, sorry, start again. My actions throughout this process have always been with the best interests of golf, my peers, sponsors, and fans. There is the problem of off-the-record comments being shared out of context and without my consent, which is a lie. But the bigger issue is that I used words that do not reflect my true feelings or intentions. It was reckless, I offended people, and I'm deeply sorry for my choice of words. I'm beyond disappointed and will make every effort to self-reflect and learn from this. Taken out of context, my ass. You said what you said. 
Just an asshole. Like, and you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, dude. This was a clear case of Phil trying to be the ambassador of the sport for the players. You know, represent the players. It's as if he carries that kind of weight, all right? He knows good and well. There's only one ambassador of the sport, and his name rhymes with Tiger. But the thing that came out of the larger part of this story, or the statement that he, that he was doing, was that he was working with the Saudis to build the Super League. So, you know, Mike, was he invested in this thing? Because if he was, he can pretty much say goodbye to his career in the PGA. And then you got to think, the Saudis heard this, right? Imagine how they feel after, you know, reading what he said about them. Scary motherfuckers? Dude, you have no idea. Travel in the Middle East now. You might disappear, okay? We're not going to see you anymore. These people do not fuck around. So I guess he lost a big sponsor, KPMG. They dropped him. And who else? You know, he's going to lose a lot. It's time to walk away, Phil. You got to do the Champions Tour, whatever you want to do, Senior Tour. These guys in the clubhouse, they don't look up to you anymore. Not after this. And it's kind of funny how a story snowballs, doesn't it? I mean, it just gains momentum. You remember the whole Joe Rogan Spotify fiasco a few weeks ago? Well, that kind of exposed some more important facts about Spotify. It turns out they're trying to monopolize the entire podcast industry through acquisition. They're starting to buy up smaller podcasting companies, analytics, things like that. Meanwhile, Apple and Google do next to nothing to compete with that. I mean, Spotify's being about as aggressive as you know a bunch of thirsty singles at happy hour right now. Apple and Google, they treat podcasts like they're you know, just part of a bundle. This wouldn't even be a story, but people are starting to worry that Spotify could potentially destroy podcasting, one of the last remnants of the open web. Well, they promote dangerous misinformation, you know, privacy issues. And they're doing this while they pay the creators of its bread and butter content, music, almost nothing. Musicians got the short stick, and music's what puts Spotify on the map. Apple started this Apple Podcasters program last year to get exclusive podcasts on the platform. I don't know anyone who bid on that one. I'm not big enough for it. I mean, it would be big podcasts to be exclusive. But you have to be exclusive to Apple, right? So it's subscriber-based only. And then they're going to take a cut of the profits. I would, I would never ask anyone to pay to listen to this shit. Are you kidding me? I might run ads on it, but I'm not putting a cup out there asking for change. It's ridiculous. And I talked about Facebook and Google a couple weeks ago and how they rely on advertising for their money. The product is free, right? That's how Facebook and Google made so much goddamn money. And I believe in the open web, partially because I enjoy the freedom to be able to say whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't have to answer to anyone for it. If you don't like it, feel free. Take me off your platform, right? I'm on eight now. I keep my, finding my feed on new services all the time. Spotify can suck a dick. As long as Google, Apple, Amazon, and Audible continue to carry my show, I don't care what happens with Spotify. Back in the day, I had two podcast networks approach me back when I did My Life as a Foodie. They wanted me to be exclusive to the service. And yeah, I was flattered, right? 
but I couldn't be on iTunes, right? I could host my own show, but I couldn't release it on my own website until 48 hours after it debuted on their service. I couldn't play whatever music I wanted. I had to pull from their licensed library, which sucked. And I had to bleep curse words. I couldn't curse. Oh, and I think I had to read like a minimum of two ads per 30 minutes of content. So needless to say, I told him thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to be owned by anyone. I do it for fun. Would it be nice to pull some scratch from it? Sure. (laughs) But (laughs) at what cost? Adam Curry. I was trying to remember this guy's name. He was a VJ on MTV years ago. He was the one that approached me. I think a company was called Mevio. They changed names a bunch of times. I think they went out of business right around the time I stopped doing that show. Anyway, I know I mentioned this some time ago. I downloaded this app called Meetup. It's an app. It's got groups of people who share your interests. So you can go do things that you really enjoy doing with you know like-minded people who share your passion. You meet new people. It's a cool app. I love it. And people make really good friends on there. I was lurking for a couple months, and then I pulled the trigger. I joined this casual cycling group on Saturdays. I think I, I talked about this. It's a blast, man. I love it. We meet at Balboa, right on the water, and we cycle up and down the coast. And we're between 25 and 40 people every week, and uh, all kinds of people. It's a fun time. Well, from that group, you get invited to join other groups. So I get invited on this hike with some friends from the cycling group. So I go, right? Now listen, last weekend was exhausting. I don't want to do that again. There's a concert on Friday. We rode bikes on Saturday, hike on Sunday. It was a lot, but it's fun, right? Because I'm getting out. This is what I wanted. So we're on this hike and we're talking about all kinds of stuff. Somehow we got on the subject of cars and one of the girls in our group, she said she had one of the most bizarre blind dates of her life not too long ago. Her friend sets her up with this guy and he's nice, right? She's enjoying herself with him. They're at this place for a while, I guess. And he says, hey, you want to leave? Go someplace else? And she's enjoying the guy, right? So she goes, yeah, let's leave. So they walk outside and the guy starts to unlock his bike. He rode a fucking bicycle to the date. She's like, where's your car? He says, oh, I rode my bike here. She gets back home. She calls her friend like, what the fuck were you thinking? This guy doesn't even have a car. I told her, hey, look, he probably has a car. He just can't drive it. You're out drinking with the guy. He wants to leave and hit another place. We call that bar hopping. This guy probably has multiple DUIs. So his license was either suspended or his car has one of those breathalyzers attached to the ignition. She said, that was the worst date of my life. No, I don't want to engage this girl too much. But I was going to tell her, look, you need to talk to my friend Sue. No one has funnier stories than she does. Sad, but funny. And in Sue's case, it really pisses me off because... She really puts in the effort. I'm sure most women do, okay? I'm not saying that Sue's an anomaly. But I've got a first-hand account. I've seen it. Sue's dates. and I've I've known her long enough. I've seen how much preparation she puts into it. I can see how much effort she puts in. Guys don't do that. They show up wearing whatever's clean. Rarely put in the time to prepare. Sometimes they only brush their teeth. Or they show up to the date with a few drinks under their belt. I was nervous for the date. Yeah, bullshit. 
You can't be on your A game with alcohol in your system. So we're at this place on Friday with this band is playing. I'm people watching my ass off. Guys are walking around the bar like a hawk circling a field looking for food. It was like Tinder in real life. Overweight, shirt two sizes too big, not ironed, holding what might be their like fourth drink of the night, just scanning the room for a woman who appears to be alone or hanging out with her friends. That's pathetic. <laughs> they were asking me, what do you think of the music? I'm always honest, all right? The band was good, actually. But I just, I don't listen to that style of music. I'm really upfront, right? I like R&B, house music, hip-hop, electronic music that you hear in a club that are filled with kids that are like 30 years younger than me. That's the music that's on my phone. But I can tolerate anything. I can tolerate country western music as long as the company that I'm keeping is nice enough, right? I'll tell you what you won't find on any playlist on my phone. Kanye West. Did you see the news about Kanye's new album? This guy's fucking mental. I guess he releases this new album, Donda 2, whatever the hell that means. But if you want to listen to it, you have to buy this special $200 stem player. His fans are like pissed off. You remember when U2, they released this album and they made it exclusive to iTunes. It's a long time ago. If you had iTunes, right, they would automatically upload U2's album for free for you. Now, a lot of people like U2, right? So it was kind of a treat for them. I don't, right? I especially thought this album may be one of their worst. Maybe that was why it was free. But the problem was that people were having a difficult time keeping it out of their music collection. They'd delete it, but it would come back. This is the opposite. People actually want this album. Why is beyond me, but yeah, whatever floats your boat. You have to plunk down $200 for the player, which he's probably getting a huge cut of the profits from. Oh, man, it's gouging your fans. And if you don't know what stems are, they're the individual tracks that are recorded whenever you produce a song, right? Everything gets recorded as a single track. Vocals, background vocals, drums, multiple tracks of drums, fills, bass, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, all kinds of keyboards, all kinds of things. And some songs might have eight stems. Then you've got some that might have 30. And when I produce remixes of pop music, I'll just isolate just the lead vocal stem. I figure out, you know, I'll find out what the tempo and the key that they're singing it in. Then I'll go and write a piece of music in the same tempo and key. And then I just drop the vocals over that. And I create a new song from existing one. It's fun. But I'll be damned if I'm going to remix anything from this psycho. It's like the music industry has had its fair share of narcissists. All right. I don't think we've ever seen one like this. This guy thinks so highly of himself. He threatened to run for president. He's one of these people that plays to the media, which is what's wrong with the media right now. He just continues to get attention. He's a headlines, right? If he's not in the news, he'll do something. So the media puts him in the news. Like he took the limelight away from Taylor Swift at the Grammys, starts dating Kim Kardashian, marries her, has kids. Then they get a divorce, changes his name to Ye or Yay or whatever the fuck that means. Starts a social media war with Pete Davidson, right? He finds out Pete Davidson is banging Kardashian, starts attacking him, sends a, a truckload of roses for Valentine's Day to her. 
and now this. And this is all inside of a month, or this last part. And guess what? Now I'm talking about him. But I'll tell you something. You're not going to get free press from me without taking some lumps, all right? He, this guy once got on camera with Michael Myers for this fundraiser for the Red Cross right after the Hurricane Katrina disaster, right? They're trying to get people to donate to the Red Cross. So Myers is, is reading right off the script. Kanye decides he's going to riff on his own, and it was cringy as fuck. With the breach of three levees protecting New Orleans, the landscape of the city has changed dramatically, tragically, and perhaps irreversibly. There's now over 25 feet of water where there was once city streets and thriving neighborhoods. I hate the way they portray us in the media. If you see a black family, it says they're looting. see a white family, it says they're looking for food. And you know it's been five days because most of the people are black and even for me to complain about, I would be a hypocrite because I've tried to turn away from the teacher TV because it's too hard to watch. I've even been shopping before even giving a donation. So now I'm calling my business manager right now to see what's, what is the biggest amount I can give. And, and just to imagine if I was, if I was down there and those are, those are my people down there. So anybody out there that wants to do anything that we can help with, with the setup, the way America is set up to help the, um, uh, the poor, the, the black people, the, uh, the less well-off, as slow as possible. I mean, this is, Red Cross is doing everything they can. We, we already realize a lot of the people that could help are at war right now, fighting another way, and they, they, they've given them permission to go down and shoot us. And subtle, but in even many ways more profoundly devastating is the lasting damage to the survivors' will to rebuild and remain in the area. The destruction of the spirit of the people of southern Louisiana and Mississippi may end up being the most tragic loss of all. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Please call. (laughs) Cuts him off right before Myers can even give him the hotline number. Nice work, Kanye. They say what you will about George Bush, but this is, I mean, he later became close friends with Michelle Obama, all right? He had multiple African-Americans on his staff at high-level positions. I'm not going to get into race here. So, so then about four years ago, he comes out in support of President Trump, right? And say what you will about the man, but Trump had a long-standing history of being racist behind the scenes, said a lot of racist stuff. It was well-known fact to anyone who worked with him or was around him. So Kanye's on Jimmy Kimmel's show and he's talking about race and how he just wants people to be seen as equals. And he's speaking about black and white, right? But Kimmel mentions what was going on at the Mexican-American border at the time. So he asked an important question and Kanye just sits there stone-faced, has no answer for him. One by one by one, we can defuse this nuclear bomb of hate that we're in as a society by thinking of everyone as our family and how would we treat our kids, how would we treat I our I think aunties. that's a beautiful thought, but yeah. just in literal terms, yeah. there are families being torn apart at the border of this country. There are, are literally families being torn apart as a result of what this president is doing. And I think that, you know, we cannot forget that, whether we like his personality or, or not, the, his actions are really what, what matter? I mean, you so famously and so powerfully said 
George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back. And uh, Kanye West. I mean, come on. That was an embarrassing pause. Kimmel goes to right to commercial. It saves Kanye from further embarrassment. And then Kanye is smiling awkwardly. Like, thanks for letting me off the hook. Didn't think it through. Hey, here's a tip. Don't come out publicly against a president or for a president unless you have answers to questions like this, right? No president is perfect. We get it. I don't know why anyone even wants the goddamn job. Ages the hell out of you. And then you're a target for people. There were people who loved Bush. Some people despised him. Some people loved Obama. Some hated him. Same with Trump. Now it's Biden. If you're going to get on national TV for attention, you better be good at debating if you're going to take a side and talk about shit like this. And that's enough about Kanye. And even more fallout from that whole Jeffrey Epstein mess. Jean-Luc Brunel is this guy who was charged with uh, rape of minors. He was suspected of scouting girls for Epstein. They found him hanging in his jail cell in Paris last week. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's because Jeffrey Epstein was also found hanging in his cell. And this came right after Prince Andrew had settled a lawsuit that was brought by this girl who accused him of raping her when she was a teenager. And who was Prince Andrew photographed with? Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, come on. You don't have to be a fucking genius to piece this whole thing together. I said last month there were some high-profile names being protected. This was one of the highest. They just paid the girl hush money so they didn't have to go to court. Anyone who knows anything who can't be paid off, they're going to get clipped. So it wouldn't surprise me if Maxwell's hanging in her jail cell at some point. These people make me sick. I don't feel bad for any of them. There's certain crimes that are just inexcusable. You know, they deserve an express train ride to hell. I, think I used a cheese reference earlier. On the same hike, right, where it seemed like we talked about pretty much everything, the subject of cheese came up. I think they were talking about easy things to, to bring to a potluck, and cheese and charcuterie plate came up. They were talking about the most underrated cheeses. I think that was it. Cheeses that are good, but no one ever thinks of buying them. I shook them all up. I mentioned Velveeta. I mean, it brought the house down. That's not even cheese. I said, yeah, you're right. It's a cheese product, but it's still sold in the cheese section. <laughs> they were losing their minds. What redeeming quality does Velveeta have? I thought you were a food person. So I gave them a little education, and it starts with a hamburger. All right? To cook a hamburger properly, people like to grill hamburgers, you know, on a grill in your backyard. No, you grill hamburgers on a griddle, all right? You want the fat to render off the meat, and then you can feed the meat, you know, the, the patty in its own fat. If you do that on a grill, the fat's pouring off the meat, hits the flame below, starts a fire, and now you're charring the shit out of your burger. But when it comes to cheese, if you decide to lay a piece of, of cheese on it, and that cheese melts... It's melting all over. It's dropping to the bottom of your grill. Now you got a mess. But still, cheddar cheese is the wrong choice for a burger. You want something that melts quickly, uniformly, and then resembles cheese dip. Only American cheese is going to do that for you. I went one further. I talked about the time that we had a fondue party. I made fondue three ways. 
And the third way was the kicker. I melted half a brick of Velveeta with some white wine, thyme, some herbs, a little bit of garlic powder. I didn't tell anyone what it was. It ended up being the one that they liked the most. And our guests were commenting that they'd never tasted uh, a cheddar fondue before. That's when I laid it on them. You're eating Velveeta. They were, they were unbelievable. They were like, what? Are you kidding? I'm eating Velveeta. And I said, yeah, look, so don't ever diss government cheese again. All right? There's a quality to it. All right. I should end it there. I like Velveeta, so sue me. I'm sorry if I started this off with a downer, but it's a downer week, and I apologize. Have a wonderful week. All right? Enjoy your weekend. Um, pray for peace. Uh, thanks again for listening. And until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been an A. Salute. Raiders must